0: So this morning, we move now into a different mode of mind of shamatha. You all know where we're going, settling the mind in its natural state. And so this will be our basis as we now, in the afternoons, move over into the close application of mindfulness to feelings arising in the mind. And then also next week, when we go into the close application of mindfulness just to the mind itself, and even the phenomena itself, this will be a kind of a, a base, just like the mindfulness of breathing is a shamatha base for the close application of mindfulness, especially to the body, feelings arising in the body. Well, here will be our base, a shamatha base. But I think many of you, perhaps even all of you, are familiar with the practice already, the satellite sham- in the mind. And so you know that it's right there on the cusp, right on the border between shamatha and vipassana. So a lot of vipassana teachers nowadays, if, if you just explain the practice to them, they might think, well, but that's vipassana. And we wouldn't argue. It can be vipassana. It, might, it can actually give rise to insights uh, that vipassana is designed to yield. But in the Mahamudra and Dzogchen traditions, this practice as such is simply presented as shamatha. At least it does that. And it may give more. Okay, But the baseline is the practice of settling the mind it is a shamatha practice, relaxation, stability, vividness, designed to help you melt your coarse mind into substrate consciousness. So there it is. Now, when we, were close, when we were directing the attention, kind of in a shamatha mode to the space of the body and the tactile sensations. So we've done that before. And so we're just attending to those sensations associated with earth, water, fire, air that are rising to meet us, objectively. But then yesterday morning, I think it was, then we also, in the process of that, look at the type of feelings that would arise in our way of experiencing those sensations. And knowing the same sensation can be experienced as something pleasant. And unpleasant so we we've, we've been there already well here's a close parallel and that is in the feet, in the body we have these sensations just rising up to meet us presented so earth is earth it is not water it's not anything else it just presents itself like the color of my palm and so for the earth element the various elements they rise to meet us and then how we experience them is where the feelings arise similarly as we now just within moments direct our attention to the space of the mind what's obviously appearing, just like Patrice's form is appearing to me, and I have no choice about it. There it is just coming to me. But then the feelings that arise as I attend to her. Well, that's very much in my mode of experience. Similarly, thoughts, images appear to us in the space of the mind. But then what type of emotions or feelings, we'll just keep it simple, feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, what kind of feelings are triggered by the memories, the thoughts, the images that come to mind? And so in this shamatha practice we'll go to right now, it's going to be basically settling the mind in its natural state. But where I would suggest you f- focus your primary interest or attention is on the objective appearances. Frankly, they're easier to observe. You know, th- There's a thought, there's an image. And let your awareness be still. But as you're aware of them, since we are really preparing to go into the vipassana practice of close application of mindfulness to feelings arising in the mind, as you attend to these thoughts and images that present themselves to you, then also take note of and observe the type of feelings that arise, mental feelings, pleasant feelings, unpleasant feelings that arise, that are triggered by those thoughts, images, memories. Okay? So in other words, make it three-dimensional, so to speak. You're not observing only the, the appearances that arise to you as if almost like on a screen. But you're also being aware of the more subjective emotional responses or affective responses of I like it, I don't like it, pleasant and unpleasant that arise. So you see that kind of that system, not just images kind of flat, but also the the feelings of pleasure and, and displeasure that arise in relationship to them. And then the idea here is really we're trying to, in a way, not be bound up in our minds. Just as in the previous practices, not be fused with the body. That you are your body, you're trapped in your body, you're totally tightly held in the body. But be able to experience the body arising in space, right? And likewise, not be trapped in your mind, which, as we know, can sometimes be a very bad neighborhood, you know? Not be totally embedded in it, captured by it, caged in it, right? But be aware of, those are thoughts arising. It's not just, I'm thinking. Those are images. Those are memories arising. I'm not trapped in that memory. And then, even more deeply, this is a feeling arising, and I'm aware of it, but I'm not simply that feeling. I'm not simply happy, sad. I'm aware of that feeling arising. There's an an instant degree of freedom there as you rest in awareness and observe both the objective and the subjective impulses arising in the mind. Okay, Good. Now let's just jump in. Settle your body in its natural state and your respiration in its natural rhythm. And to set your mind at ease, calm, quiet, and clear, to make your mind serviceable. For a little while, practice mindfulness of breathing. You may count 21 breaths, if you find that useful, for calming the discursive mind. Now let your eyes be at least partially open. With your gaze resting vacantly in the space in front of you. Which means you're not really even looking at the space itself. You're not directing your attention there. Let alone to any other visual object. It's more as if you left your eyes open while being caught up in daydreaming. So it is no interest in the visual field. Nevertheless, keep the eyes open to let some light in. But now turn the full force of your interest, your attention, your mindfulness to the domain of experience that is purely mental, the domain in which discursive thoughts, mental images, memories, and emotions arise. If you are new to the practice, then it could be helpful, not only once, but repeatedly, to give yourself a very distinct mental target. So one of the easiest would be simply to generate a thought. It can be any thought. But here is a very simple one. This is the mind. Syllable by syllable, generate the thought, and as you do so, focus your attention single-pointedly on the thought. Allow the thought to fade back into the space of the mind when it comes to an end, and now, very importantly, keep your attention focused right where it was. See if you can observe the next thought, or it may be an image, that arises spontaneously. And whatever comes to mind, simply observe its nature. Observe that mental event that's arising here and now without letting your attention be carried off to the referent of that thought or image. Focus right there in the space of your own mind and to whatever thoughts and images arise within that domain. Again, if you become disoriented, a bit spaced out, not quite sure what to look at, you may deliberately generate a mental image of anything familiar, a person's face, a vegetable, a possession, anything you like. Focus your attention upon the image. Allow it to fade and then keep your attention right where it was, focused in the space of the mind ready to observe the next thing that arises of its own accord, and whatever arises, simply observe its nature without seeking to modify it, without grasping onto or identifying with it. Simply observe the mental event as a mental event. Now, as you observe these objective appearances arising in the space of the mind, also be aware of the feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, that are triggered by these appearances that arise in the space of the mind. And to the best of your ability, simply be aware of the feelings without identifying with them, without being absorbed by them. Observe their nature quietly and sustain the flow of mindfulness without distraction and without grasping. focus of mindfulness is the space of the mind and whatever arises within it both objectively and subjectively and then also remember to apply introspection, monitoring the flow of attention and applying the remedies as before let's continue practicing now in silence Well, this practice is something enormously applicable, relevant, beneficial in daily life. And whether, whether or not one is interested in achieving shamatha or vipassana, it's come up quite strongly from an entirely secular perspective. That is, from Paul Ekman's work, he and his, his colleagues in affective psychology, just really strongly emphasizing, purely in terms of mental well-being, mental health, uh, the importance of being aware of emotions before they manifest in behavior. So there, I'll, I'll be very brief here, but he says, be between the spark and the flame, some emotion comes up. Be aware of the emotion that has arisen before it's coming out your mouth you know, or manifesting in behavior. Uh, he said when we don't, and he's making a, an obvious but very deep and important statement, you know, when we're not aware of the emotions until we've expressed them, then that tends to give rise to what he, I love the phrase, regrettable episodes. It's so non-moralistic. And he's not a religious man. He's a very ethical man, Paul Ekman. But he's not a religious man. Um, but he's had many, like all of us, rebe- regrettable episodes where you just do something, you say something, and then maybe even seconds after you've said it, you just wish you could get a vacuum sweeper with your mouth and go, <laughs> and you know, just uh, 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 you know, just swallow, and you can't because it's now in the public domain. And you think, oi, oi, oi. So speak. Speak on impulse, regret at leisure. You know. And so whether it's speaking, whether it's physical behavior, it's just to give yourself a chance to make a wise choice. And if you're not aware of the emotion until it's already expressed, whatever wisdom you have, it didn't get a chance because it's already out there in the public domain and then you can apply wisdom to regret it at your leisure. Uh, of course, some, some spon- spontaneous expressions are just fine. But if that mental affliction is caught up with mental afflictions, the chances are it's not going to be that great, right? So it's just really good advice to be aware of the thoughts that come up, be aware of the emotions. And so when you see emotion, or of course it could be a desire, but right now we're focusing on feelings. When you're seeing an emotion come up, simply instead of just feeling, I'm unhappy, be aware unhappiness has risen. And then it can be a, 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 any, any one of a number of other emotions of anger, spite, and so forth and so on, Uh, but to be aware of it, and then if there's some impulse behind it to speak, then you have that little interlude between the spark and the flame of behavior to simply ask ask yourself a question. Is this something to act upon now or not? And then you can make a decision. But if you're not aware of the emotion until it's come out, you never had that chance. So once again, we're trying to become lucid. Lucid with respect to whatever's arising in the mind. It's just a key to mental health, to mental well-being, and of course living harmoniously in the world. So I'll, I'll close that up with one short aphorism from the Tibetan tradition. It's really a good one. And that is, the statement is, when you are with others, watch your mouth. When you're alone, watch your mind. Well, here, for most of the hours of the day, even though there are people in our vicinity, we're not actively engaged, so you're watching your mouth, just being quiet which is then kind of, okay, got it. Uh, which means then we have a lot of time to start getting acquainted. Move into the neighborhood of your mind and see who lives there. <laughs> and bring your bodyguards. <laughs> now you might, might recall, some of you have attended earlier retreats or podcasts. I, I would suggest you actually have four bodyguards. You remember them? Love and kindness, compassion, empathetic joy, and equanimity. They are like just, you know, Macho, macho. They really protect you. Okay. Enjoy your day. See you a bit later today.